I'm Natana. And I'm Jess. And this is our podcast. Wait, what are we doing again? <laughs> well, we'll be diving into how the hairiest and most complicated problems in the world can be traced to the most mundane beginning. To see if maybe we're not so fucked after all and maybe there's something we can do about it. Oh, is that all? Yes. <laughs> Smear campaign to angry feminists. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> uh, that'd be terrible. It's okay being a stereotype. I realize it's like there's a reason why it's a stereotype. Like we're angry because, or can be angry because there's something to be angry about. Well, it's almost like how how do you okay in a country like Australia? Yeah. Where there's this like mateship kind of casual vibe. How do you stand up for things? You could use feminism like an example. If you're a feminist, you believe in equal rights, equal treatment, all that stuff. And you're seeing in a really casual, really subtle way that that's being completely undermined. How the fuck do you call that out? Because then you end up in this really fucked up situation where you're super complacent and you're just like allowing things to happen, but they're all small things. It's not like big enough for you to call out. You can't do anything about it, but it ends up wearing on you. And then you're the person that ends up carrying that emotional toll. And you didn't even realize at the time that it's affecting you until, until later, mm-hmm. you know, or you feel like, wow, why am I acting so weird? Why am I not being myself? It's interesting because, you know, for so long, women and minorities, in order to survive, you don't say anything, whether yeah, it yeah. is big or small. Because the whole point is that survival is in flying under the radar. Yeah, exactly. In order to get by, you need to hide. But now when we're living in a society where we claim that there are all these equalities and... Mm, equalities on paper qualities on paper and it still shocks people to hear about some stories well men tend to be shocked that it's still happening you know when it comes to feminist issues yeah yeah Yeah. and you know what it is i think it's because we have made a lot of progress Mm -hmm. the big part of it the big issues the really obvious ones yeah they're, they're way more rare and that's amazing now we're left with kind of like the end of the bowl you know like when, when you're cooking something, whatever, and you you empty the bowl, you still have, like, what's left over, the food that's left over, the coating. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with the coating right now. And, you know, like, the dish ain't clean. If you're like, yeah, the food isn't in it anymore. It's a clean dish. It's like, no, 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 no. We got to get rid of the grease and the, the leftovers that are in it. And that's kind of the stage that we're up to now. And that's more nuanced. It is because it actually hasn't been that long in time that these laws have been changed. You know, um, I was listening to this incredible woman who changed a law pretty recently in the UK to make um, upskirting illegal. What's upskirting? Upskirting is the act of taking photographs under (gasps) a girl's skirt. 
Oh my god. Is it that's really funny because like the first thing that my head went to was um like floorboards. Like skirting boards, <laughs> is that what they're called? That was the mental like you were image. You're not allowed to remove floorboards. Yeah, and I was like, is there something to do with floors? <laughs> this really took me by surprise. <laughs> like, Jess, this is really out of context. Like, um, like, where are you going with this? I'm with you. I'm with you. But where are we going? Fuck, that was not punishable before. That was not considered. No. And <gasps> and what was happening? And, and this it's is so fucked. Mm-hmm. So what was happening was in her experience. So, you know, when she's at a festival, these guys would start harassing, flirting. She would put up the boundaries, tell them to stop. They escalated. Um, she thought they, they eventually left her alone, but they were laughing, da, da, da. And it turned out they had taken a photo of her under her skirt. And she got really upset. She grabbed the phone and started running. And raised to the security guard. See, they called the cops. They, she tried to report it. But at the end of the day, the cops said, you know, even though we've got the evidence on your phone, even though we've literally got the perpetrator, because the law. you were wearing underwear, technically it's not explicit content. Oh, my God. So because it's not nudity, yeah. um, there's nothing they can do under the law. You know what? That kind of reminds me of that... Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, short film that I saw like a few weeks ago and she said something in it where she's like the law the law always needs to follow society so you can't have a law that's ahead of its time it can only meet the culture where it's at Mm -hmm. the only way you can change the law for it to be relevant to the culture is by showing how the culture's changed and this is an example of that it's a brilliant example um, because basically, like, she was so sick of all the harassment, exactly what we were talking about before, you know, just being, just ignoring it, kind of not trying to make a big deal out of it, having shame around it, just, yeah. you know, it been happening on Gaslighting. Trans, like, like, all, that, all that gaslight. So she was she was sick of that happening. She's like, this can't happen anymore. How, how can... You know, I'm not be protected in the moment where I've literally just, I'm so sick of it. I've had it my whole life. I'm so sick of it now. I literally had the perpetrator. I had the evidence and the, and the law still wasn't on my side. On a silver platter. On a silver platter. You know, this needs, something needs to happen about it. And so what she did was she started this campaign because she was really good with social media. She was a writer. So she was like, surely I can get people on board. She paid for ads. And then all these all these women started flooding in with all their experiences of this happening. And she's like, fuck, this is way bigger than me. Mm. This is way bigger than me. It's no longer about me. It's so much bigger. And she put forward the evidence um, that there's a massive conversation going on about, around this. So the culture is shifting. It needs to, Now the law needs to meet the culture where it's at. But she experienced so much sexism from the government Um and eventually got this incredible lawyer, this male lawyer, on her side who was helping her, like very much into human rights, was was trying to put this through. They got so much resistance, so much resistance. Eventually they got it through and they changed the law. And it was just like it's, it's, it's an incredible achievement. 
it's an incredible achievement, but there were so many people along the way who who just didn't see it as valuable and didn't didn't care about it. Like it's not an issue that affected them. But what they found, and this is just like wow, what they found as a result of implementing this new law is that they started finding and cap, um, catching sex offenders and criminals because she's like, you think that a small act of taking a thing is not a, like taking a picture under the skirt is not a big deal. But people like that do so much more than that. That type of behavior, that sexual harassment type behavior is characteristic of a bigger problem that can happen. Because it shows no respect for interpersonal boundaries. And if they're willing to do that in a public space, mm-hmm. it shows that they they have no concept of that. So they're not going to be enforcing it, of course. Like if that's them being tame, mm-hmm. if that's the socially acceptable behavior that they're willing to show in public, then that's surely saying something that maybe there's more happening behind the scenes. Like there's a greater likelihood of that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the thing. It's like we live in a world that's built in that's it's all about thresholds. We got to meet this threshold. The problem needs to be big enough for then us to act on it. Because when it's small, there's like this bias against micro actions mm-hmm. or micro evidence. It's like you're jumping the gun. You're being too sensitive if you show all these different things. And you're like, look, like there's something bigger going on here. Or this is not OK. Or da, da, da. Because it's not serious enough. It's not big enough. It hasn't met that predetermined threshold then it means it's not worthy you know and it's like well think about the changes we could have in the world and how much we can avoid before it reaches the thrust the threshold of catastrophe you could even say that for climate change as well you know like waking up only once it's like oh no but it's more than that because now so yes it is that. It is like the, the first justification or resistance towards change is that it's not a big enough deal. Yeah. Uh, and also that it's not like there's no economic incentive. Often, you know, when you look at climate change, there's not an economic incentives. It doesn't make any sense. Now, the technology for renewables and all this sort of thing has the cost has come down significantly to the point where it is significantly cheaper than, you know, using fossil fuels. And yet... There are so many people in Australia, in politics, that are not supporting. Um, and there's no economical reason to do so. So there's obviously, there's that, but there's also, there's also that fear of change. Mm-hmm. And the comfort in knowing what your current environment looks like. Like when you invite change, it means that things are going to be different. And it's harder moving into the unknown. unknown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think, like, that's why there's a lot of hate against things that are deemed, like, PC. Like, PC culture. Where it's, like, we've gone too far. And I think that's why, especially, it's, like, a generational thing. Where older generations, mostly, are scared of that. They're scared of, well, if we are calling things out at the micro-action level... What does that mean? Oh my God, I can't do anything. I can't mess up. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, you know, they're scared that suddenly there'll be all this, all these repercussions. You know, they feel like, 
okay, well, microaction means that you're not giving people the benefit of the doubt. Judging things based on microactions means that people might be prosecuted for things that they didn't do, you know? And it's not the case. Yes. I mean, microactions do matter because there is a massive ripple effect with them. However, when it comes to PC culture, there is there is somewhat of an issue there because they're meeting, they're rebelling against shame placed upon them with shame for shaming. Yeah. So even though we need to take these things seriously, these micro moments seriously, if we can't have the room for those people to grow within our society, you know, you look at cancel culture, if we have no room for people to grow, then they won't. And that's the thing. So it's actually not about the microactions themselves, but it's mm. about how we respond to microactions. And that's the difference. Instead of responding in a very reprimanding way, mm-hmm. you know, the cancel culture way or the, you know, like like there's, there's financial or um, legal consequences, instead of that, what if the way that we responded to that was with compassion in a way where it's like, all right, let's, let's give you the benefit of the doubt but let's also acknowledge what's happening here and let's give you the tools that you need in order to do things differently or the understanding you need. Not saying you have to change everything you do, mm-hmm. you know, and only act in a certain way, but make this choice more conscious and know what is acceptable in what situations and what isn't acceptable. It's like you're almost giving people the way that you respond to them is you're giving them the opportunity to stay relevant, to keep up with the times instead of feeling really disconnected where they're like, oh my God, I don't even know how to navigate the world, you know, and I'm scared of fucking up and like being cancelled or or being labelled whatever, you know. Yeah, because then you have a population that's not changing what they believe, but they are changing their behaviour based on fear. Yes. And that is not sustainable. That is not a good change. That's not change in the right direction. So that's where I think emotional intelligence comes in. It's kind of like you need to come in as a parent in a way. And then and then when not that in happens, a condescending way. Yeah, not in a <laughs> condescending way, but more in a guiding way. But then bringing that back to the beginning with that with like a a work situation or a casual situation where you see these microactions happening. Well, it's like, how how do you go about it? How do you do that emotionally intelligent responding to what they're doing in a way that isn't patronizing, that isn't making you feel like the onus is on you Mm -hmm. to be the parent, to like, because that's also exhausting on the person that needs to like guide. It's interesting because if we use my work example, my recent work example as the example. <laughs> example, example, example. How many examples do you want? Um, <laughs> yeah. So when I first got there, I could see, you know, the racism with compassion in the sense that I didn't like it, but I'd try to see it from their point of view and I would help to educate in a way that was invited and in a way that was shame. compassionate. Yeah. yeah. And that was okay, but it became really clear that within that work environment, 
there's a lot of sexism that goes on on many angles there's racism that comes out of nowhere too often and so on i mean it's always unnecessary uh it's always unnecessary but in moments where you just you just wouldn't expect it to happen i guess um and there's lack of human dignity like yes treating people and their rights to pace themselves in their own agency and Mm self-autonomy it's like they own you during those hours yeah and I mean in in this situation it's um it's almost like I feel it's it needs to be my full-time job (laughs) to manage the inappropriate behavior the micro actions the micro actions yeah yeah yeah. like they need someone it's like you have a double job going on and a job that no one acknowledges no one at the workplace really wants but you're kind of like doing it for humanity's sake in a way my humanity too (laughs) because i'm so deeply affected by those belief systems because i know how harmful they are like i can't help but feel the pain of all the people who experience that and obviously the sexism hits me on a very direct level as well it's so fucked up like the amount of offhand comments and from your boss from clients from all that kind of stuff like exactly so at what point like when you're doing a a, just doing what you're meant to be doing to then be undermined because of your gender and it's subtle ways like some things are more obvious than others some are offhand comments but it's nothing that's like reportable it's nothing where they know that they're being out of line or they feel it like you know it's 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 not it hasn't met that threshold like they truly are micro actions so then what do you do because for me feeling feeling as though i need to be you know, obviously I have to be professional, even though I feel like that is unprofessional. What is being, you know, presented in the workplace is unprofessional. Making these offhand comments is unprofessional. I'm not there to meet them where they're at <laughs> in that sense. At the same time, I realize because there's so many of these comments, it wears you down. And therefore, I feel like the, I have to completely bottle the way I feel about it. Otherwise, I will be inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> like the way I'll respond will be inappropriate. Uh, which adds fuel to the fire because they just want an excuse to be reactive back. Totally. It'll seem disproportionate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the action. Mm-hmm. And this is this is where we go, okay, those micro moments matter. That's why they matter. Because they accumulate. They don't, they're not isolated incidents that don't have any interaction. And that's the thing, because like to add to that point of micro actions, it's not about the action and isolation itself, but rather the pattern, the repetition of that pattern. That comment, it's a whatever comment offhand, you know, just like said once, never uttered again. Everything else is completely normal. But the persistence of the micro actions over and over again, we are like it's it's about it's about working out how to navigate the pattern. Like the pattern part is the problematic part with micro actions. It's the pattern. It reflects 
it reflects on people's beliefs. A lot of people don't realize that the things they say reflect their thinking. I know they just funny. they just they just think I just said it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no, it it does mean something. It means a lot. <laughs> it's like when you're saying something, you're basically telling people your values, but also your insecurities and everything. Like it's you communicate a whole lot more than you realize. And I think that comes from just not being conscious. It's like you don't realize that your subconscious has all these belief systems and you're navigating the world based on that. I don't want to relay a lot of like, especially the racist comments because I think it's unnecessary. But when someone out of complete context makes a slur that we weren't even talking about race, there's nothing to do with people, but they took a problem and they Uh, made it into racism and I was like whoa I know the one you're talking about yeah that was fucked up it's like where there's so why did you even think of that where did that come from where's the connection this is and I'm sorry uh, that says so much about the person to me that their head goes there yeah that they have to put someone down that has nothing to do with the conversation and it's hard because the question is then how the fuck do you navigate that? How do you, what do you do? What do you say? Because calling things out doesn't really help. Because when you call it out, it, it, it helps in that moment. But turn calling out into a pattern and people start drowning you out. They don't listen. You know, they get defensive or becomes part of the identity that they've assigned to you. And... Or you're sensitive and you can't handle things. Yeah, whatever they say. Personally. Whatever they say that makes them feel comfortable and not feel like the bad guy or not feel like they're at fault. They'll come up with whatever reasoning, whatever logic, whatever story, even if there is no evidence for it in real life. They'll come up with that and they will mention it. Yeah. You know? So now it adds an extra onus on you because you feel extra gaslit where you've spoken up about something. You're calling out a micro action. You're calling out a pattern. And now you're being gaslit again. Mm -hmm. Saying like, that's not even a thing. Why are you making it a thing? And then you feel even, you lose your agency even more. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Because... The easiest thing is to just eject yourself from the situation. Be like, bye, I'm done. And sometimes you could do that. Sometimes you can't do that. But that's not really a long-term solution. It helps you personally. It's interesting because it becomes really clear to me how to handle that situation when we're talking about it. Okay. However, when I'm in the situation and it's cumulatory, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm like, there's no way I can address this. I think it's because it sets off your nervous system. And that shuts down yeah. the, the higher level reasoning and the problem solving. I'm cu- I'm curious now. What's the what's this grand solution? <laughs> so I would approach her afterwards with empathy and say, Hey, I wanted to talk about something that happened today. I'm just curious what made you say that comment. You know, mm. what what prompted that comment? Um And I can imagine the types of things that would come forward. And then I could continue reflecting empathy back. Oh, I understand. That makes sense. You probably didn't realize it comes across this way because the implication is this, this and this. 
if that's not your intention. And so constantly bringing it back to it may not be your intention. Yeah, like, oh, do you understand that what you say is actually not communicating what you really want to say, that you're actually being misunderstood and I don't want to misunderstand you. I want to understand you and I know you and I know surely you didn't mean that. Yeah. And at the, at the end of the day, she's not ready to hear and she would certainly not want to hear that she's being racist because of the negative connotation to that and how it attaches onto your identity, not necessarily just your behaviour, which your identity is very difficult to shift. It's not something you accept. And that's literally the definition of shaming is basically this is who you are. It is not good. We don't like it. It's not appropriate here. We're rejecting you. Yes. So to literally come come at it with with this isn't you, this is what this is how you've behaved, not the intention, this is how it's coming across. You know you don't want to come across that way. Especially if you know that person, you can reinforce positive things at the same time with them. And I think it's so rare to have people hear you out and be curious in that way that it's going to hurt. Like she's going to be, she's going to hurt, but she's not going to be defensive. defensive. Yes. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing because if they're closed off to what you have to say, there's no influence. There's no change. There's no acceptance. So then, so what's really interesting is that people feel like to call something out, you need to do it in the moment straight away. And I actually think this is like an argument against that. Because in the moment, you are not in the right mind where you're, you know what to say or how to navigate and all that. You're not coming from that calm place because right now your nervous system's out of whack, you know, and it's like danger, danger. And at the same time, it wouldn't be the right environment to have that conversation with the coworker, yeah, and explain it. So maybe conflict resolution of this kind of microactions, calling microactions out, maybe it's about the first response shouldn't be what you say to counteract it, but the first response is how do you self-care? How do you attend to the most important response, which is your body's response to what is being said? And you attend to yourself first. And then, which is like, it sounds so obvious when you say it. And then later, once you feel like that you are coming from solid ground again, that's when you have that conversation. Because that issue ain't going away. The pattern's there. The opportunity doesn't leave the further away you are from when the event happened. It's about its impact, the impact it left on you. And being able to have the right space to have that kind of conversation you're talking about. So, yeah, it's actually really interesting. It's like you feel like your body's working against you at the time when your brain's like, uh, it's not really like thinking in the moment. And you almost feel like you're, you're letting yourself down, you're letting the situation down. But what if it's the opposite? What if your attention is being brought to exactly where it needs to be brought to, which is regulating yourself? And I think that is really intelligent it's really practical it's really nourishing to both parties but it only works in situations where you're going to see that person again like there is some level of relationship there and yeah. maybe that's when it's worth it well that's then the thing also, yeah 
then there's also those moments where you know a lot of people say and believe like it's our it's our it's our responsibility to educate those who are not there For starters i feel like that language is a little bit it's a bit parenty. It's like, you need to be taught a lesson. It's very arrogant. And it's not intended that way, but I think it already sets up a dynamic where the other person's not going to pay attention. Yeah. Um, people need to be felt like they're on equal ground. Yes, a hundred times over. If I use a client who was sexist towards me as an example of a moment where I, I probably need to call it out in the moment, it's like, it's almost like, because I know that environment, in that environment, I can expect, it's almost like I can expect that people are going to be sexist, they're going to be racist, and they are going to disrespect me. That I need to prepare myself going in Gotta to put expect put all that it. armor on, the emotional coat of armor. Well, almost just to, to uh, I need to be emotionally prepared because I feel like I'm constantly, like, like I always think the best. Do you know what I mean? I'm always expecting the best. I surround myself with the best. Oh, hey, you know it. <laughs> that was a pretty good wink, actually. Why, well, thank you. You timed the sound well. <laughs> Wish they could see it. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, I'll remember it forever. <laughs> it's not wasted on you. <laughs> So, what was I saying? In those moments, I'm preparing myself emotionally for it. So when I go in, because one of the things that sets off my nervous system the most is that I do not expect it. I'm shocked every time. And it's like almost like my heart breaks for humanity in that moment, <laughs> you know? So one example, this guy comes in, he's paying for something. He asks for a receipt. But the reason he gives for why he wants the receipt is because he wants to make sure I don't spend that money on shoes. <laughs> It's so and you know my heart sinks and immediately I have some sort of rebuttal but it's not good enough you know it makes him it makes him think about me in a different way but it doesn't make him think about women and his assumptions in a different way it's like he's curious about you because you're clearly the outlier yes. and now you're like this this exotic kind of fascination and he, he wants to find out more, but it doesn't change his But I don't want to make image. him more curious about me. I want him out of there, which is not the point. What, what the point of starting a conversation and calling it out is to get people to question their thought process, not necessarily to be like, my thought thinking is better than your thinking, but to go, hey, self-reflection needs we, to happen. Yeah, you know what we're questioning? We're getting people to question schemas. Mm -hmm. So schemas, Explain. yeah, so schemas are ideas and expectations we put together um, that follow like a logic sequence of this is how the world works in this way. So, for example, when you go to a cafe, you have certain expectations of the order of things and how things work. Like when you go to order, where do you stand, what to expect. So those that there are all, a whole bunch of schemas around the idea of the experience of a cafe. Yeah. So, how we categorize things, basically. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, that's kind of what we're, you're trying to do in that situation. It's like you want someone to question the schemas. Like you don't want them to to still believe in the schema, but like, yeah, now there's this anomaly. Yeah, and it's, it's, ne it's not the way I view women. It's not the way I view things, and it's not the way I view myself multiple times in this job. There has been an association with clothing and style 
and money and the way I'm exp- what and I reckless, value reckless reckless spending. spending I can't manage my like the assumption is that I don't know how to manage my money oh my god even like the no first, one's business yeah like even the first paycheck you got like your boss was like oh do you blow it on those shoes you're wearing oh that was the first paycheck <laughs> exactly so it's in the workforce and the clientele who who come to this workforce anyway so Instead, you know, I look at that moment and I think if I'd prepared myself for stuff like that, I wouldn't be so shocked and my nervous wouldn't system wouldn't be out. And in those moments where I need to call it out in some way or, in, uh, you know, I want to prompt, maybe we should we should take away the term calling it out. Yeah, I don't like it. It sounds really aggressive. Yeah. Can we say question? Well, it's also too aggressive. I want something about, like, curiously understand or curiously, hmm, kind of workshop this one. Yeah, I know. I feel like we need to come up with something because words matter. We're talking about these micro actions. These words shape how we show up through them, right? Yeah, and calling out sounds like you're putting someone in timeout. You're calling them out. You're saying that they're wrong. You're right. You're setting up this whole sta- like this 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 imbalance. Like you're you're the righteous one. They're the wrong. They're the wrongious one. <laughs> um, you know. So there's already going to be that dynamic of 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 almost battling for the status, Ooh. battling to be right. What if you called it intelligent inquiry? So it's like an inquiry into the intelligence behind why they said something. And then offering them counterintelligence. It's better. But once again, we feel like I feel like we're in a spy movie. Uh, I <laughs> thought it sounded cool. <laughs> oh no, we gotta do an inquiry. already An forgot. inquiry. But it's like it's almost No, intelligent inquiry. No, you're right. It doesn't it's... have a good ring to it. Call it I I for short. I I I'm like, if anyone has any ideas. <laughs> Send them in. Please, we need help. <laughs> so, and if it has alliteration, you get extra points. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we should that, make a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> alliteration for extra points? No, whatever they come up with. Oh, yeah, sounds totally. Good yeah, whoever wins, we'll, we'll make a shirt. We'll make a shirt. And you get it. I feel like you should get it. Like if we're designing. Yeah. Yeah. You get a shirt. Excellent. Made by you. <laughs> for you yeah anyway. <laughs> custom made sponsored by <laughs> <laughs> so in that moment where he says that instead of making it about me making it about him so it's about reflection right it's about reflecting back to him you know i'm curious it, you know without it seeming like an attack which is oh my yeah. god i just had the best visual okay I don't know if I should mention it now or after you finish talking. I'll remember this. You could keep on going. Okay. So saying, I'm curious, what makes you think I would spend it on clothes? So you're like literally, you're, you're literally going, what makes you think that? So they can actually explain their thinking, their schema, their stereotype and go, well, you're a girl. So da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, so that's interesting. So you wouldn't say it to a guy. 
And then you can have this conversation back and forth where they're like, oh, my God, like, that is my thinking. Because most of the time, people don't... The reason why they say these things is because they're not aware of their thought process. They're not conscious of what, what, why or how what they say comes from some sort of belief system. But then you can actually pull apart it through questioning. Mm. Okay, so asking why why is that so is basically like how you universally apply it to everything else so okay let's see if this works on another example but the important thing is not to use even though you're 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 seeking why do not use why as your question you need a softer opening like i'm curious what made you think that like it needs to be softer like if you're like why would you say that it's like automatically like ooh. Why did I say that? You know, it's a lot more direct. Ah, because what is more explorative? You're asking him to point out things, whereas why shows intention. Intention is where the defensiveness comes from, because it's like, oh, was I not supposed to do it? I, you know, yeah. Yeah, but you don't want them to be insecure when you're having the conversation, because they'll close off. So you want it to still be playful the whole time? Mm, I probably wouldn't create play into it i'm just really curious well i guess a little bit because you're being curious but because i'd be pissed off oh yeah i mean that's why almost if you i mean not in every situation do you really want to be like putting your armor on and being like i'm preparing for every sexist asshole to come my way today but in my experience in this workplace, that is what i'm gonna get potentially and therefore it's in my best interest to prepare myself for it, not to armor myself up in terms of like, I am not going to engage with these people, but... But instead to come in with a shield. You're not coming in with heavy armor where you're impenetrable, but rather you have this lightweight shield and you could use that shield to just for things to just like deflect. And that's the whole thing. You're returning it to them. It's like this, this ping pong game. So that's mm -hmm. what you're using the shield for. You know that you don't have to protect yourself. Instead, you're bouncing it back. Yeah. You know? So subconsciously, I'm not like, oh my God, why did they say that? That, that so, it hurts. And it's, and it's so not me. Instead, I'm going, oh, there it is. Oh, there it <laughs> like, is. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's that same kind of detachment where you just see the ping pong ball coming towards you. And it's your job to just like hit it away. That's a great analogy because that's what like, I thought of at the beginning. That's that why I had that epiphany. Great analogy. Thank because, you. Because you know, if someone hits you with a ball and you're not looking, you're not expecting it. It hurts. But you don't need to wear an armor to play ping pong. You, you just, just need, you just need a racket paddle. in your back yeah. pocket. Yeah. To just, but um. <laughs> oh, I wasn't ready for this. You know. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, and it's more lightweight as well. Like, you can choose when to have it on, when to have it off. It's something you can easily grab onto. And now you have that shield that you can use in any situation. Anytime you, you come across that micro, um, that micro action, you can straight away just bring the shield up and it's like, boop, boom. Shield asks the same question, which is, I'm curious... What do you mean by that? Or I'm curious. How did you word it? I'm curious what makes you say that. It was a what. I'm curious what makes you think I'd spend it on shoes. So there's a little bit of a playfulness. Like what's 
What makes you think I'd spend it on stew? So I'm playing into the joke because I'm saying I'd spend it for sure. Which is disarming in a way. Which is disarming. Because you're showing like, I'm on the same side. Let's like, you know, it's like you're, it's an offer to like peel a little layer back. Yeah. Okay. So like, let's see if we could apply it to something like a racist comment. Like like a micro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Saying like. The casual racist. Which I think happens quite a bit. It's probably the most often, it's probably the most common form of racism at this point in a society that condemns it morally, but doesn't necessarily. Okay, what if someone sees like someone passing and they say like a racial slur or something like that? Like, oh, bloody terrorist or like something like that. Like, would you. Or something like, oh, you're one of the good ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or like you tell someone what your ethnicity is or what your religion is and straight away they're like, I know a lot of people like that or you must like this, this and this, you know, or something like that. I feel like, I mean, they're all kind of good natured in a way, except the first example I gave that's like an outright slur. Um, but they're still they still hurt, and I think those are actually the real teaching moments. Because those are the because those are the moments where you're much less likely to say anything, but you're gonna you 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 it chips away at your integrity and your self esteem because you've allowed someone to disrespect you, even when they like yes they didn't know, but you're empathizing with them over empathizing with yourself. When you cut someone's slack in that way and you let things slide in a way, it's undermining your integrity. Yeah. So it does leave a mark of some sort. It accumulates, yeah. Okay, so in that And that's when people explode and then they're they're an angry person or they're unreasonable or, you know, then those stereotypes take place. So in this situation, someone says, oh, you're one of the good ones or you're not like the rest. So then you say in response, I'm curious, what makes you say that? And then they might be like, oh, well, you're like this, this and this. That's what makes you different from the others. And then you could kind of start following that line. Like it, that, that's the in. So that's the wording. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That wording works really well. I'm curious what makes you say that. And obviously, you know, it takes a certain level of self-awareness and emotional maturity to have that conversation with someone who's likely going to be triggering. Well, that's the thing. It's like this kind of conversation or this line of inquiry can only happen if you're in a space where you feel safe. And it's the whole, it comes back to the whole like first principles that we mentioned before, which is you got to, um, you need to address yourself first. You have to take care of yourself first. So if you feel this gut reaction and if straight away you feel like a really strong emotion, mm-hmm. then you know like, okay, now is not the time for me to take my shield up, you know, like hit the ball it's actually time for me to sit this one out just to, you know, like I need to, I need to tend to myself first. But when you have those situations where it's something that is kind of like off-putting that is said, mm-hmm. 
but it's not causing this visceral reaction, that's when you can use that shield technique because you're in that headspace to be able to follow that, that line of inquiry with curiosity and that openness in a sense. It's like you can be the guide when you're settled within, but if you're not, it's not a matter of like repressing it and trying to like control your emotions. It's like your emotions are telling you what your response should be. Strong gut reaction means sit this one out, take time for yourself, come to this later. Not a strong gut reaction, curiously follow the thread and unpick at this knot. Hold up, don't go anywhere because we want to hear from you. Have you had a new thought, realization or perspective shift during this episode? Tell us about it. Wherever you're listening from, this conversation is just getting started. Head to the comment section of this episode, the link is in the description, or if you're listening on YouTube, just scroll down and share your insights with us. Be sure to include the timestamps so we know the part that spoke to you. This podcast is here to spark broader conversation, and the fun part for us is exploring it with you. Because when we pull our minds together, we're not so fucked after all.